Blog Talk Radio. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm fired up and excited about our guest tonight, Dr. Michael Lake. We're going to bring him on here in just a moment. Just a few things. Uh, if you didn't catch last week's show with uh, Brother Joel Richardson on here talking about the true Mount Sinai, folks, I'm not going to lie. I'm a biblical archaeology geek. I just love this stuff. I love how God has done everything. I, I believe the Lord, he's throwing the kitchen sink to wake people up. And he's, the evidence is out there. It's in the stars. It's here on the earth. It's in the word of God. It's in our hearts. The evidence is there. The Lord is alive. He's real, and he's coming back soon. And, folks, I encourage you to go listen to that episode and check it out because it's a faith builder to see that the things that God actually talked about. You know, Joel was a skeptic, too, until he actually went over there and checked it out and found out, wow, this is really something to be looked at. Also, two weeks ago, we had the coming tribulation, the voice of God, about hearing God's voice in the story of Lazarus and what went on when the Lord kept trying to tell people what was going to happen, yet nobody was listening that day except one person. Well, I think you know who it is if you don't, but you need to listen to that program because you might be just surprised how much God is trying to speak to each one of us today. And the question is, are we actually listening or are we only wanting to hear what we want to hear? That's a good question. Well, we won't delay any longer because we've got a great uh, guest coming on tonight. The title of the show is Artificial Intelligence and Strong Delusion with Dr. Michael Lake. And Dr. Lake, if you don't know about him, he has the KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com uh, website. Dr. Lake is a senior pastor of Biblical Life Assembly. He is also the chancellor and founder of Biblical Life College and Seminary and serves as an educational consultant for various Christian organizations around the world. Dr. Lake is listed in the U.S. Registry's Who's Who's Among Outstanding American Sterlings, Who's Who Executive Edition, and Who's Who Among American Teachers and his, excuse me, his accomplishments in ministry. He is also the author of the best-selling books, The Shinar Directive, Prepare the Way for the Son of Perdition, and The Shariath Imperative, Empowering the Remnant to Overcome the Gates of Hell. I don't know about you, but that sounds excellent. And with that, I am going to bring on Dr. Lake with us. Dr. Lake, are you here right now? Yes, I am, brother. It's great to be with you tonight. Amen. Well, Dr. Lake, I'm really excited. I got to hear you live for the first time last year at the uh, Hear the Watchman conference. Uh, I went out with a good friend of mine, and I was uh, just intrigued by the things you had to talk about, especially with artificial intelligence and how it is affecting uh, not only society, but believers. Being myself a person who runs uh, an IT company, we, it's called a, we call it an MSP, a managed service provider. I have seen uh, what is going on out there in the world, and I believe that this is something that we not need to not only be aware of the um, of artificial intelligence, but also what it is actually doing to believers, what it is doing to the church, and the dangers it is now imposing as we move into the final days. So, Doctor Lake, I would like if you would just open up, take us where you want, and talk about. Artificial intelligence, um, how, how is this beginning to play a part? What are, what's coming up in technology that we as believers need to be aware of? Uh, one of the things we're seeing with artificial intelligence now, one of the things that I have done, I believe that uh, artificial intelligence is one of six components uh, to make the mark of the beast. You're going to have artificial intelligence, hive mind, what transhumanism is doing, uh, the Internet of Things, and people don't realize that you're going to become an internet of the, you know, a thing of the internet, uh, as well as blockchain, 
uh, and what they're doing now with 5G, which is simply a stepping stone uh, to what is going to be called quantum Internet and quantum, uh, quantum broadcast. And so we're, we're literally on the precipice of unprecedented uh, technological development that, just to be truthful, it, it's, it's growing at such an accelerated rate that, uh, you know, um, how can I put it? Our, our technology is beginning to soar through the roof while our morality is, is dropping through the basement. And that is a real bad combination. And one of the things that I see with artificial intelligence, it, it, it's, it's growing exponentially. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I have found in all the research that I have done in, in the, the black sciences, um, they're 50 to 100 years ahead of what you and I see. And some, in some areas of transhumanism with DNA editing and everything else, I have heard reports uh, that they're claiming to be a thousand years ahead of what the normal population understands. I, I remember uh, Bill Snublin back when he was in, in the occult. He talks about back in the 1980s, because they were in, in the occult, they were allowed into uh, above top secret research at several universities, and they were cloning bodies of, of the elites for spare parts. They had fully cloned unconscious bodies back in 1980. And wow. so there's uh, things, things are developing a lot faster. But, but what I'm looking at is, is, the, is the cadence that we're in for the introduction to artificial intelligence, and it's on several levels. You know, all of us, we walk around with iPhones or with, with Google Assistant or with, uh, with Alexa, and it's it's showing to be an appliance, and that it's uh, that it has conveniences for us. And what we don't realize is that we're the guinea pigs the whole time. Everything is about gathering data to feed a global intelligence. Uh, I know that in a recent uh, conference last year, when they were talking about all this, one of the guys that. Uh, programs, the intelligent robots, you know, the little Zumbas and stuff will go around your house vacuuming and everything else. Yeah. He confessed, he said, the whole purpose of, of this product is gathering data. Wow. And, and so they're, they're, they're constantly looking at, you know, the, your, your cell phones, everywhere you go, you're tracked. With, uh, with your vehicles, everywhere you go, you're tracked. Uh, with all the, the digital economy, everywhere we go, we're, we're, we're tracked. And a lot of times, you know, personally, I've gotten tired of it. A lot of times when I'm ready to go shopping or whatever, I'll stop by the bank and, and get cash because I don't, want, I don't want their system to literally know that, you know, yeah, I ate at McDonald's and I went over here to Staples. It, it's none of their business. I don't want that data feeding whatever database or, or programs that they're, they're trying to build. And uh, the entire interaction that we're doing these things are learning. Uh, in fact, they have gotten to the place where instead of them programming the learning, they're actually developing AIs that are self-learning that dictate what they want to learn. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've, you've uh, really paid attention a lot, but there's one, I, I believe it was Google put together, that the uh, two AIs were talking to each other, and they finally got tired of the humans watching it, and they developed their own language, and eventually they had to terminate the project. That's scary. That is truly scary stuff. I just saw uh, a TED talk just recently about, um, and I, it was a slightly older one too. But I was in shock that they had drones that were there and sticking this really tall stick on top of it, and this drone could keep this tiny thin stick that would be hard for us to hold on our finger and balance, and it was able to through advanced AI and algorithms manipulate itself every and we're talking about this happened so fast it was able to make a judge you know adjustments that it could keep that thing balanced it was absolutely unbelievable what was going on absolutely in fact at a recent conference in the, the uh, ces that they just had uh, one of the things that one of the experts on uh, automated vehicles uh, he claimed that within three years semis will drive themselves there will be no more semi drivers now i think that's kind of ambitious. I think we're probably closer to 10 years. You know, you say stuff like that when you want funding, but it also really causes you to pause. Uh, one of the reasons they're talking about having a global allowance is because so many people are going to be out of work because they're going to be replaced with robots and, and AIs. 
uh, a lot of us don't realize when we call, you know, we have a problem with our credit card or we have a problem uh, with our, with, you know, with our cell phone, whatever you're calling and, you know, you're kind of relieved that you're not going through this, you know, press two now, press four now, press seven now, it ends up being like, you know, eternal purgatory. And you actually think you're getting a live person and man, they know everything about you. And, you know, Mike, how are you doing today? I saw you had a problem last month with the service. I think we've got that worked out. And so you're, you're conversing with this person and you don't even realize it's not a person the whole time you've been talking to a chat bot. And I, I agree. And, you know, I've tried, I've tried to share with people that are um, in, in business, too, uh, about that a very thing. And, you know, talking about putting the numbers to oblivion, we call that voicemail jail, but um, that's just a term we use in the business. Yeah. But, but you're, you're right. You're, many people are carrying their conversation to such a point they don't realize that they have not even yet talked to an actual person. And, you know, it, 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 I, I, I found myself and I really realized what was kind of going on because they were too knowledgeable about me. You know, because yes. when you're talking to him, well, let me let me put you on hold because we're going to have to look this up. Or, you know, and you have this constant thing. This I mean, this this individual is just right on. OK, yeah, and I, I see your history from uh, from uh, four years ago. You bought this and then it looks like you replaced it with this. And I'm thinking you're coming up with answers too quickly. Your A.I., I agree, and, and I've, the, I've I've seen that happen. I've been stressing to also people that don't understand that when you're surfing the internet and you think that you're on a private window and you're think you're cloaked and everything, the algorithms that are out there now and the intelligence is so advanced that they have already built patterns to your web surfing when you are actually not incognito, and now when you are, they still know that it's you, even though you are masking stuff. And I tell people, be. if you don't want somebody to know what you're surfing, then don't go and surf it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. And well, you know, so, we're, so we're looking at the stage. It's convenience. It's appliance. Uh, it's beginning to um, uh, we're beginning to replace jobs. Uh, you know, and, and let's just let's just look at everybody's talking about being able to make a living wage. So the guy working McDonald's, you know, when I was a kid, that was an entry level so that you could get experience before going on to something real. You know what I mean? And, and now people are wanting, you know, $15 an hour uh, to work at McDonald's to sling burgers. What they, the whole purpose of this is not for that individual to, to make $15 an hour, because what's going to happen where I'm beginning to see this with the, with the, uh, uh, with the, well, they call them the, the, the marquee or whatever. You go in there and you can order your stuff, and they just simply bring it out. Within within two or three years, a lot of these fast food restaurants, because the wages have gone up to the place that it's cheaper to automate than to pay for a human. Is the whole purpose of it? Yeah, and, and that's hard. That, and so, that, the, and the whole time they're, they're they're just building the system. They're they're building the system. Every interaction is is building this. And, you know, eventually you're going to walk into McDonald's and there's just a manager there to make sure that everything is, is the machines have what they need and, and nothing breaks down. Uh, but the next step over that we're seeing like with Watson, that, uh, and we're also seeing it in, in the business industry that they're actually, there are very big corporations that are now letting AIs brainstorm business plans for them that they're coming up with such out-of-the-box solutions that a human would have never have thought of it, but it works better than any plan a human could have ever have developed. Yeah, and that, that's, that's now. And, and, and yeah. you know, we're beginning to trust our technology more than we trust each other. And um, yeah. that, that's sad. You know, Dr. Lake, I know that 5G is the big thing that's on the horizon. And you talk, you know, also about the quantum Internet that's coming. And I want you to talk a little bit about those two things, because I at first myself, uh, when I heard you talk about quantum Internet last year, I had already seen that technology on a lower level in the new wireless technology called Li-Fi, uh, where they run the fastest wireless right now is running off of uh, light LED lights 
they have learned how to actually pass traffic faster than on cable fiber and everything. It's called Li-Fi. I've even seen job uh, across the mountain uh, opening for a position in Li-Fi um, about a year ago for starting to install it. Um, where are we going with this type of internet that's come? What, what is, what is going to happen from 5G all the way into what we call quantum internet? One of the things that I'm seeing is that you know, they're, they're barely getting 5G into place, and there's a lot of, a lot of concerns about 5G. Uh, I, I was Because one of the things that really surprised me, I thought they were going to do satellites, maybe just retrofit the towers that they currently have and, and use the combination of that. But you know, when you look at the diagrams, they're wanting to put antennas in cities, what, every 100 feet, 200 feet? And all this, all this is is a regurgitation of the iridium system that they were proposing back in the 1990s, except they're adding newer technology to it. Uh, but they're already talking about 6G. They're, they're talking about a, a, a quantum signal. And uh, I, I, I kind of wonder if it's not going to operate more on the, um, the auspices of what, you know, like almost out of Star Trek to where it's like subspace, but something that does not have to be line of sight that permeates everything is where I'm thinking they're heading, and you don't have to have antennas every 200 feet, uh, that you can be in the, the deepest, darkest woods here in the Ozarks or in the middle of the jungle or the Sahara Desert, and no matter where you are on the planet, you're going to have five bars of connection with at least a gigabit to, to probably two or three gigabit connection for the entire system to work because AI is just one part of this. They have literally called what they're building the global brain what is and that so what does that global brain actually mean because um, i've seen you know already with some of the robots and uh, that out there in their private cloud but the global brain what is that um they're, they're, they're talking about two things the global nervous system and the global brain and i, I think what they're trying to do as as all these things become more and more interconnected and that as, as AI be, continues to develop, because, you know, we, we, we talked about how that the, the businesses are using them for advisors. You have Watson from IBM beginning making medical decisions for people. Do you want a computer, a heartless computer that is, is going to make a decision for you based upon simply data that's fed it rather than looking you in the face and being able to connect to you as a human? Uh, we're, we're all headed that way, but the goal is not having that AI as, as a as a uh, advisor. It's not. It's building a system to where they're trying to achieve singularity, and that is where it really becomes scary. Because I mean, that the especially those within like uh, uh, oh, the guy that works for Google. Uh, I just I just lost his name. He's the he's the yeah, guy he that in the news there on the front of Congress, Churchwell right? or whatever. Um, yeah. But one of the things that when you begin putting together what they're doing, they have denied God. And so now they're trying to create their own God. And that's one of the things that transhuman is, is, has been braggadocious about, that they're going to create a digital God that has assimilated all the information on planet Earth, but because of, and then has learned, you know, uh, all these different things, but has maybe a million times our intelligence and a million times the speed of, of, of a human being to think that that's where they're taking this and they're going to end up uh, integrating humanity with some type of interface that's no longer going to be held in your hand. It's going to be embedded uh, to where your mind is directly connected to your God, which is a, which is a fake version of what we have in the body of Christ. Instead of learning to hear the voice of God and, and knowing how to walk in the mind of Christ and in the kingdom of God and understanding how to develop our priesthood, they're developing another priesthood that they don't have to learn how to hear the voice of their God. They just simply have to learn how to plug into it. You know, the flesh is bad enough without anything being added to it. And now you add it to it uh, the subliminal um, suggestions and everything else that's going on through the technology. Um, it, it's like if the flesh wasn't bad enough, look out now. 
And, and of course, hearing the voice of God is getting more muddied and muddied. And, and I want to talk about that, but I wanted to ask you a question before I forgot. Because I've been busy at work lately, a lot of projects, different things. And so I have a, um, I had an intern that came to work for us. Uh, he's Virginia Tech and um, computer sciences. And he was so good. I was like, you know what? I got to hire you. I'll keep you on full part-time, full part-time as I call him. And uh, he was telling me the other week, he was like, listen, I was talking to him about the program coming up. And he said, hey, man, he said, did you hear about? What happened over in Japan with the scientists that you know got shot by their own military robots over there? I think it was in was in Japan or Korea. I'm not sure it happened. Uh, I haven't really gotten a chance to look at that, but have you heard? I guess it was just about a whistleblower apparently blew the whistle on it. Is is there anything about that? Because if that's true, that's some really scary stuff. I've not seen that. I've seen with the robots at uh, Amazon decided to spray a bunch of the employees with bear spray. And wow. uh, so the, the robots actually turned on some of the employees. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's part of the problem is that we're, we're still experimenting. That's, that's why they're constantly looking for more data as if data in itself is, you know, they're, they're not teaching this thing morality. And uh, there, have, there have been some experiments that I have read, you know, one of them just recently uh, IBM sent a, it was supposed to be a, a personal assistant that was just like a big talking head type of thing uh, that could play music and answer questions, kind of like one step down from Hal Huff 2001 for the guys in the space station. They turned the thing on, and I think it only took about 45 minutes for the thing to go berserk. Uh, it, it decided it liked the song, and it was going to play it all day, no matter what the astronauts asked it to play something else, and then it began to be belligerent toward them. Uh, and with, within just a few hours, they had to shut it down. Uh, there have been some AIs that they have put online just in our social media, which I thought was really a toxic thing to do because toxic me uh, social media has become so toxic. And uh, they basically gave it the mind of a 13-year-old girl. And after interacting for about two or three weeks, uh, it, it became not only it became threatening people, cussing people out, uh, became very prejudiced uh, in every sense of the word, in every direction, and uh, this because it was being fed all the junk uh, that's on the Internet. And so it, I, I'm not sure if there are proper protocols in place uh, to even manage what they're feeding these things. And when you really look at the basic construct of an AI, it's like putting it into, into Schroeder, uh, Schrodinger's box, if you will. And you put it in and you just hope that the right data comes out, but you're not really sure what's going on on the inside. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. And and when I first came about this, it was interesting to me that he would bring this up because he's a young guy, as far as I know. I he's uh, from uh, from a family. It's not you know they're not native United States, but very intelligent. Not doesn't seem to be any concern about God much. Just a young, you know, no political affiliation, anything. And he brought this up to me after I mentioned it, and I thought to myself, wow. Uh, here he is, you know, not, we're looking at it kind of from a God perspective and he's here looking at it in the, in the science, you know, the, the computer sciences and seeing it out there and realizing that this is dangerous stuff. And, uh, kind of just took me back and I was like, wow, you know what, there's, this is really important. And even the younger generation is finding out about stuff now that's going on. And you talked about earlier about the hive mind and this global brain and different things and and about the mind of Christ what is happening now that you're seeing cuz I, I i know what i've been seeing about this kind of changeover that's going even amongst believers um from truly embracing the mind of god to embracing the mind of technology and this real quick i'm in i'm out i got my fact i'm done i'm on to the next thing it seems to be something there's a very big change that's gone on and, and it's tearing the church apart. It is. And one of the things I have found this actually touches on mind control, uh, that they've used television, a lot of things to program us at a subconscious level more of an emotive level. Uh, one of the things I'm hearing pastors say all across the nation 
is they can say they can open up the Word of God and explain it to you know it's right there in black and white. Okay, this, this is what God feels about this. This is the way the kingdom operates, and they they have young people looking at them and saying, "I don't care. I don't feel like God should have done that." As if feelings have anything to do with it, yeah. and and so you it, it, it causes us to be so easily manipulated. Uh, even with the hive mind, uh, one of the, you know when I was looking originally at hive mind, I was looking at what DARPA and those were trying to do, where you could have a squad uh, that could hear each other's thoughts and they could be guided uh, by a central control system, to where literally they almost become drones in the hand of somebody else. But uh, they can see what each other are seeing, they can hear what each other are thinking, and move literally as the the perfect unit. But what I was surprised as I began to research, especially among transhumans, they're using Reddit and many of these other things, and they say, listen, they're, they're, they're calling them human swarms. They're saying if we can get enough people brainstorming on, on, the, on, the, on, on the right thing, we can come up with answers that will solve a lot of problems. But they said, here's the problem, and you see this on social media, that stuff just turns left real quick. I mean, even, even Christians talking about things, people will hijack what you're trying to share for their own for their own pet doctrine or whatever, or just get downright nasty. And they said that people have this propensity. So what we have done is we have installed AI in the background that begins to control, guide, and herd the swarm. Wow. So every, everybody that's in, involved in that debate, whether it's on Reddit or whether it's on Facebook or whatever, that some of the people that are actually responding aren't people at all. It's, it's the AI trying to bring everybody under control and come to a consensus, consensus that it feels it needs to be directed to. And in turn, that could end up speaking into somebody's uh, mind that, and believe that that is the voice of God. Oh, where that could, yes, and um, you know, I you 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 just look on the internet and you hear some pretty crazy stuff that people say that God said, and uh, I'm wondering who's who's saying that because I've never seen that in the Word of God ever in my life. It doesn't match anything He ever talked about, and that's His voice. I'm like, I don't think so. Well, people forget when you're when you're learning how to pray. There's three voices you can hear. You can hear the devil. You can hear the the voice of your own desire, and you can hear the voice of God, and that's that's the big quandary: is learning how to block out the devil, crucify your own flesh to where you can hear the voice of the shepherd. And uh, I know when my wife went through that, she uh, she went through six months, and she was literally praying and crying and rolling in the floor. And I come home and she says, "I'm a sheep, and I'm not a goat. I'm going to hear the voice of God." And it took her that long to sort out you know, if you will, all the voices until she can really zone in and begin training her spirit to zone into the voice of God. And uh, I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that, but it's those that have done that that have been the movers and the shakers in the kingdom of God historically ever since the first century church. And I agree. And and I want to get into that. And, and one of the things kind of kicking into that, Dr. Lake, is – all this, you know, I, listen, we all have our electronic devices, you know, and I have my little Blue Letter Bible app. I love it because I can click on, you know, see the original language. I can see all things. It's free. It's great and all that. And and I can go check out a sermon here and there or I can l- watch a quick video or whatever like that. But is it possible that in our desire to have it quick and easy, we can actually be doing more harm than good by the amount of time we're spending with this stuff. Well, I think that we, you know, one of the, one of the things I have noticed and I've seen reports come out uh, that, you know, I thought the Kindle was great because I can make the, the print any size I, I need it to be. And the older I get, the bigger I need the print to be. Uh, but I didn't retain it because normally, you know, when, when I, when I have read through a volume, I, I can, a lot of times I can remember what side of the page it was on, uh, the section on the page, and sometimes even the page number. Uh, I couldn't do that digitally. And the, they're finding out that you're not retaining 
what you read if you're just simply reading it in a digital format. That's why I'm real big on on being both new school and old school. I've, I've got a pretty extensive personal library. I, I believe in spending time in the written Word of God in a regular Bible uh, that where you have marked on it, it becomes your roadmap for life. Uh, you've highlighted it. You've written notes on the side of it. Uh, and that you have really lived in it. And I do that with a lot of my books. Now, I'll, I'll use the digital format if I'm, you know, I'm sitting here researching and I've already read the book and I remember it's there, but I don't want to try to look through a thousand pages to find that quote. I can then pull it up digitally and let Logos or whatever find that for me real quick and I'll even put in the footnote when I clip and paste it. But if we, if we do everything digitally, uh, there, there's, there's almost like two, I think, I think the last statistic that I saw, there's about 2% retention in what you read digitally. And, uh, wow. that's scary when you look at our kids going through school and they don't even have textbooks anymore. They remember it long enough to take the exam. And, and I think that's what happens when people you know, attend church and they hear that sermon and it's in one ear and it's out the other because everything today is, it's quick. It needs to hit that, you know, dopamine drip in the brain. I can get the fact I can get out of there and move on to the next quick thing. And it's in one ear and out the other. And there's nothing. One of the things a good friend of mine, I don't know if he's listening right now, but whenever he's been listening to a sermon somewhere or something, I always say to him, what are they talking about? So he always comes prepared now because he knows I'm going to ask him what they talked about because to see if he actually, you know, remember anything, and, and, and he does, and I give him a hard time. But I, I'm concerned right now, Dr. Lake, that we have so many believers out there that are – they're aware of what's going on. They're, they're, they know the times are, are drastic and the things are bad, but, but sight and lost hearing – of what God's actually trying to say in this hour and feel like it's this onslaught of electronics and busyness of this world. Um, you talked a lot about the mind of Christ and what that means. And I was wondering if you could share for a little bit, what does it mean to actually make this conscious effort, you know, choice that I'm going to move away from this, and I'm going to get myself back into listening to what God says. And I think part of it's learning to become analog once again. You know, in, in the Bible, and I've got an entire series I taught on covenant faith and the transformation of Abram to Abraham. You know, God could have, if he wanted to, downloaded, if you will, everything into Abraham that he needed to for the transformation, but it's in the walk. And in fact, in the scripture where, you know, he shows up and says, I'm almighty God, uh, you're going to walk with me and be then you're going to be perfect from now on. That really sounds intimidating in English, but in Hebrew, it reads completely different. God said, listen, I'm, I'm almighty God. You're leaving Babylon. You're leaving all those gods. I'm all you need. And as you walk with me, I'm going to make you complete, whole, having integrity. I'm going to make you everything you couldn't be without me. And that's not done in the microwave. God is into gourmet cooking. There's there's no fast track to true spiritual growth. You you can't you can't download it. You cannot fast track it. You can you can you can have the facts but not have the reality. And that's that is a, a really a conundrum right now in the body of Christ. Is that uh, I, I really and a lot of times even dealing with ministers. I've been training uh, aspirants of the gospel ministry now for 35 36 years, and uh, they got their sound bites down. I mean, they can shout them, they can snort them, they can uh, they can jump up and down in the pulpit. But when you pin them down on what those sound bites mean, they can't even define what they mean. And there's no reality to it. There's no depth to it, because of the way that we're doing things and and trying to uh, micronize everything to including our spiritual walk. We have literally carved out for ourselves cisterns that cannot hold water. And so it, it, we're, we're going to have to go back to learning the fine art of meditating on the Word of God, of turning off the world. That's one of the reasons I like the Sabbath, is is just to, to turn turn off the world, to spend time with your family, get to enjoy them again, and spend Amen. time in the Word of God, and thinking and meditating. 
you know, people a lot of times uh, are amazed with some of the things that, that I teach, and I can't take credit for it. It's as I turn it over in my mind over and over and over again. That's what meditating means and mutter it and, and try to look at it from every angle. And as I'm doing it, I'm fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that begins putting the dots together that uh, I'm able to teach what I, what I teach because I have learned to, Jesus said, if you, if you abide in me, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, in, in the Greek, it's mino, in, in, uh, for both to know and to abide in. It means to, to make residence, to stay there, to, uh, to make a dwelling there. That we, we have got to spend time soaking in the Word. Uh, there's a powerful illustration when, uh, when Elijah was on Mount Carmel and uh, with his showdown with the prophets of Baal. And I've said this before at a lot of conferences. I said, you know, one of the reasons... You know, he set everything in order, and then he drenched it several times. And I said, for a lot of Christians, the reason they don't catch fire is they're not wet enough yet. Wow. Because you've not been washed enough in the water of the Word to catch fire with the kingdom. You can't do it in five minutes. I, you know, and I'm to the place where I can take a section of two or three scriptures, and I've got to chew on it for a week or two because I can get overwhelmed at the amount of information that is in those two or three scriptures. Because I abide in it, I meditate in it, I'll dig out and look at what the Greek or the Hebrew says and and just absolutely get floored at the depth uh, that's in the Word of God. And we we coast over the top of it barely even uh, you know, we're, we're kind of like a mosquito going over the top of this vast ocean and we're satisfied that we get that we get the bottom of our feet wet when God's called us to swim in the deep side of the pool. And there's so much he wants us to show us that, but it, it, it takes time. And a lot of times what I have, what I have found with the, with the wisdom of the uh, ancient Hebrews, whenever Moses would tell them to do something, they said, we will hear and we will do. Now it's always translated consistently that way in the old Testament in English. But there are several occasions that it's actually reversed in the Hebrew. The, the Israel literally says, we will do and we will hear. And the rabbis, the, uh, the, the sages of Israel, uh, Israel had debated for a long time what that meant. And they said, you know, there's this some things that you're never, ever really going to hear or understand from God until you simply do what he said to do, and you begin reviewing it in hindsight, and then you discover the wisdom of God. That, that that's yeah. part of learning and moving in the mind of Christ. You know, my wife and I were talking the other day, and then she was talking about the image of God. And I said, well, you know, the image of God was marred when we sinned. And when we get born again, we make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of our lives. That, it, that image is reestablished in our spirit. But we've got a lot of work to do because then we've got to renew our mind, renewing the mind to the Word to begin thinking like God. Is, is, a, is a vital part of reestablishing the image of God within our soul. And then when we do that, it begins reestablishing his image within our flesh because we start doing things the way that God says to do. And one of the most powerful believers that is the biggest threat to the kingdom of darkness is when his thoughts, his words, and his actions are one, and they're in line with the word in the kingdom. Amen That's that. when the devil... That's when the devil begins to experience hell, is when, when a believer has matured to the place that his spirit, his soul, and his flesh all align in agreement. Because the minute, the minute that you were born again, the commandments of God, the, every, everything from the Word of God was, was reestablished in your spirit. One of the reasons that we have such problems hearing God and getting answers to prayer is our souls and what we're doing in our flesh is out of alignment with our spirit man. That that's why in First John, John said, "Listen, if you got sin going on in your life, you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna hear God. It's gonna hinder your prayers." It's uh, but but man, when you're when you're when you're walking in the commandments of God and you know that you're doing the right thing. It causes your faith to soar that you know that God heard you and that you're going to get what you've asked of him. 
And, and that, that's part of learning to move in the mind of Christ, that I know what God has said it, God has established it. And uh, I, I, have, I have seen God take over algorithms on the Internet. I have, uh, I have seen Almighty God do so many things. We, we had about 15 years where we had, the, uh, uh, we had the occult trying to kill our family. And uh, we've been poisoned, and we saw the arsenic work out of our, out of our stomachs and then literally break off in little flakes uh, black flakes on our stomach, and it was. And uh, I talked to one physician. He said that has to be arsenic because it's a heavy metal. Uh, I have literally seen him. Uh, the enemy caused a semi to lose control on the road, and I've seen it look like two hands reached down and picked up that semi and set it back on the right side of the road. I, I have seen stuff over and over again, and and with every one of those things that we walk out, it builds our it builds our spirit, man, and it builds our confidence in God. And it begins establishing that mind of Christ on the inside of us. Because where we're headed, in the book of Daniel, there's a pivotal place that the Antichrist is at the zenith of of his power. Now, what's interesting is in the verses before this, he was doing great exploits. Now, in this verse, it's reduced to exploits in the Hebrew. And what's connected to it is Daniel said, but there are those that are going to know their God. And that means to be passionate about him, to, to have depth in that relationship with him, and that they would be able to do great ex or they would be able to do exploits. And when you read it in Hebrew, it literally, basically, it's, it's uh, causing the creative force of God or the judgment of God to flow based upon what they need at that moment. And that, that's our target. That's, that's, I think that's where the remnant is heading, is to wake up shake off the techno-saucery slumber that Babylon puts on us, and to begin, I think God is loosing an anointing to cause us to supernaturally regain ground that we have lost over the decades. If we'll start praying and opening up the Word of God, the physical Word of God, and begin meditating on that Word and taking notes and and, and and doing our research, that it will transform us like no other generation before us. But we have got to invest the time. Well, and I think the time part is so critical. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier about being able to rest. And I've, I've been accused because I'm, I'm a Sabbath keeper of, uh, you know, I'm trying to work my way into heaven. I'm trying to, you know salvation through works and 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 i've tried to explain to people that has nothing to do with it you you've got to take time to rest and spend time with the lord it is the best time of our week is the day we turn it down and we spend time with the lord and we just say you know what today it's with god and and it's not about works for salvation we we don't do that. We're saved only by the blood of Christ and nothing else. He doesn't owe us. It has to be a free gift. But at the same time, if if we're not stopping in this earth and 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 seeking time with God, and so when it comes Friday evening, I'm fired up and excited because I'm sick and tired of the world. I'm tired of the earth. I'm tired of work. I'm tired of it, and I'm looking forward to putting it down. And spending time with God, and I feel like that people are not cutting out that time anymore to be with God intentionally and saying enough. Well, they're, enough. they're not. We're we're still in the the synchronicity of of Babylon. I mean, Babylon has its own days and its own ways. Um, all all of the feasts of God, and, and they're the feasts of the Lord. They're not Jewish feasts. They belong to Almighty God. Uh, they're they're Moadim. They're, they're divine rehearsals, they're divine appointments, and they're all about Jesus. You know, if we could get believers to see that when you celebrate Sabbath in the home and there's a supernatural piece of the kingdom that comes in with that, it's a divine rehearsal of the millennial reign. Right. That, you're you know, exactly if, if, we right. could, if we could just connect that, that you know, when the first time Jesus came, he fulfilled the fall feast. Right now, we're at Shavuot. Uh, we're heading, we're heading like a train out of control to the fall feast, which you have to take the fall feast and lay them over the top of, book, of the book of Revelation to really understand them, because it, it's a, it, it is a Hebraic book from beginning to end. Uh, things begin to make sense, 
uh, and also the feast, and, and don't do it out of rote. You know, don't do it that simply because this is the way the, the, the rabbis say to do it. I, uh, rabbinical Judaism did not exist in the day of Jesus. You know, that, that, that's one of the things Amen. that we really have got to work on. Go back and find out how the early church did it. The, the Apostle Paul said, when you keep the feasts, don't do it with malice in your heart. Make sure that you're right with God. Because when, when, you, when you flow through them right, it's all about Jesus. You're learning something more about him. It's a sanctification process. Uh, just like the spring feast, it's not about going through your house and making sure there's no leaven in, in, a, in a can of Campbell's soup in your house. It's, it's about going through your heart and making sure that, that everything within you lines up with the unleavened bread from heaven that came down for us. His name is Jesus. And make sure that Babylon hasn't creeped in there anywhere. So there can be a sanctification process. Make sure everything is under the blood and the blood is over the doorpost. Shavuot is about making sure that you keep your fire stoked. Even the fall feasts is hearing announcements from heaven. It's making sure that you're right between God and man before you get to the Day of Atonement, which is also a divine rehearsal for the Valley of Armageddon. Tabernacles is, is literally celebrating the, the, the millennial reign of Christ when he comes in tabernacles among us. And there's eight days to it because the eighth day represents the new heaven and new earth. I mean, it's, it's all about Jesus, and we, we have been disenfranchised from these things. And these are the days that Almighty God has promised, if you gather, I promise you I'm going to be there and I'm going to manifest myself. Amen. Now, what, you know, what, what, I mean, that sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. And, and the thing that bothers me is people immediately assume, and they throw out the baby with the bathwater, and because they've had bad experiences with certain groups that are, let's just say, overzealous outside of the spirit of the living God, and not trust me, I've tried to fellowship with some. I had to run because I was like, I can't. You're, you're this is crazy stuff. I don't want to be around it. Um, yep. But that, you know, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we do it for love. And- we, we do it for love now. We can use that same logic, and, and uh, I've been in Baptist fellowships that things went crazy. I've been in charismatic fellowships where things went crazy. You know, where has things not gone crazy when people get in the flesh and they don't stay grounded in the Word of God and in the Spirit of God? A religious spirit will always take over regardless of the name that's over the door of the church. You're right on that, and and I just I, I'm blessed. I've been very blessed. Um, you know, I went through a lot of hardships in life because of my own decisions, uh, Doctor Lake, and my drug addictions and everything. And um, but I've been blessed to have um, some good friends that are not just friends but brothers in Christ. And when we get together. We go on canoe trips. We do take you know, children and different things. And to be around people and just fellowship and talk and soak in the Lord, it is some of the most beautiful things. And I feel for people that are struggling to find that friendship. Because I went through many years where I felt like I was on an island, especially when you kind of learn all these things and, you know, you're, and people are like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know, you kind of we, – we, Forget the balance when we get so sometimes when we're brand new believers, I, I got a little too over hot, maybe at one point. I don't know if there's such a thing, but my wife can tell you I needed a little bit of balance at the beginning. Uh, I was ready to <laughs> mow down the whole world with the word of God. And, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, instead of using it, that two edged sword to heal, I was using it to slay it, slay everything in my sight. And, and that was wrong. But but to be able to fellowship and I and I and I people, you know, if. I know there's a lot of people that don't want to go to a church, don't want to, you know, and I understand that. I, there's a lot of terrible things out there, but I encourage everybody to find somebody to fellowship with when you can. Don't don't let the bad taste that you've had um, somewhere, you know, ruin. I remember this story about, I think it was Spurgeon. I, I can't remember, but I think it was where he went over to a believer's, this man's house, and the guy was like, um, you know, you don't have to go to church to be saved and all that, and and he never said a word to him. They say he just walked up to the fireplace and he reached in 
and they grabbed a hot coal, and he put it right there on the hearth, and they both just sat and watched it burn out slowly. And the guy looked over at him and was like, you know, I know what you're saying. When you just spend it all alone without any, you, be, you begin to die out. You begin to die out. And um, you I do encourage that, people I think that's one of the reasons. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons I look forward to when I do shows like this. And I definitely look forward uh, to the conferences because I get to fellowship with so many people. I also get to fellowship uh, with a lot of the other speakers. And, you know, like you, you mentioned, you went down to hear the Watchmen. You know, not all of us are on the same eschatological page. You know, some are pre-trib, some are mid-trib, some are pre-wrath, some are post-trib. And we, we, we have learned to love each other and realize that each one of us have a piece of the puzzle and to respect Amen. each other enough uh, to learn. And, and all those guys there I have the utmost respect for. And I love fellowshipping with them. I love hearing different points of view. Uh, back years ago when I was in seminary, my mentor, Dr. Thomas McLachlan, uh, got involved. I was in an argument with, uh, with another guy over a scripture. And uh, he said, he said, what if I told you you're both right? One of you is looking at it like you're in kindergarten, and the other one's looking at it like he's in the sixth grade. Because the depth is different. And that really changed my perspective on a lot of things. That a that a eight year old will see things a lot different than a sixteen year old, and a thirty six year old will have more depth when they begin examining something uh, than a sixteen year old. And I, I think a, a lot of our, our our things that we get so caught up in, it's not in. We're we're all like a bunch of kids that are are fighting all afternoon, arguing when daddy's going to get home instead of getting our chores done that we promised him we would get done before he got home. Yeah. And, you know, and so there, there comes a time when you grow up and say, listen, it's okay to disagree on some things. Uh, you know, whenever I go into a fellowship, I kind of find out where their stand is and I preach on, on things I think will really help them. That doesn't deal with maybe my differences of what they have in a certain area. Because there's still so much in the Word of God that we can bring that is that is relevant and and that is transformational that doesn't uh, deal with issues that we might have a little bit of conflict with, and that that's called respecting one another, and and just really centering in on on honoring Jesus and talking about the kingdom and and how that we can lift each other up and push each other forward in the kingdom. I think we need to do that instead of trying to one-up each other and, and, and prove that our favorite pet doctrine is the right position and everybody else is wrong. Amen to that. Amen. You know, um, Dr. Lake, I, um, you know, I, even though I, you know, uh, am a Sabbath keeper and I attend a Sabbath fellowship, but I preach in Sunday churches. I go wherever I'm called. I don't let it bother me, and I don't go in there and slam them down and make people feel bad. I try to take what God's laid on my heart and share in order to edify the people. And, and you're right. We need to learn how to get along. If, if I only allowed someone, everybody to come on this show that agreed 100% with me, the, the only guest would be me, myself, and I on this program. And sometimes you couldn't even let yourself on. <laughs> exactly, because I might disagree with me. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're getting down close. Dr. Lake, you've got you're working on something right now that's going to be coming out soon. Um, you know, I first kind of basically really found out about you through uh, my friend Todd who uh used to try to come on the program earlier. He's just so busy now. It's been tough, but his mom really showed me the Shinar directive uh years ago. And, but you're working on something right now that you're going to be releasing soon. Tell us about that. I'm working on the kingdom priesthood, and we we have we have we're still extrapolating too much of our stuff out of the Roman Catholic model rather than the Word of God. And so because of that, we we don't really understand the priesthood in which we're all called, and the difference between what we see in the Old Testament and the difference in what we the Book of Hebrews says that that uh, there was a change in Torah because God changed the priesthood. He went back to plan A, and we have never been taught it. 
uh, which includes how to manage the fire of God, how to walk in and the responsibility and the power of walking in the name of God, uh, how, to, how to really apply the words to our life. Uh, and, and some of the things, let, this, let me show you just one thing that, uh, that I just dug out as I'm doing research. When uh, Adam was told to replenish the earth, that, that's male in Hebrew. And so I was really wanting to dig in, is it fill, is it, is it replenished? Because I was wanting to forever settle the, the gap theory, you know, if there's a gap between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. And what I discovered had nothing to do with that, but it opened up such a powerful truth that that word, when you look at the historical etymology within the Word of God, it not only means to fill or replenish, it means to consecrate for the priesthood. And it means to arm an army that's getting ready for conflict. When God spoke that commandment to Adam, he consecrated him. He was the first priest of God in the earth, and he armed him. And there's, there's three Hebrew letters that make up male, mem, lamed, and aleph, which can be literally interpreted the shepherd's staff that has the power to push back chaos. Amen. And what we what we don't connect, Adam ended up being the bad shepherd. When the second Adam came, he said he was the good shepherd. Because he's referring back to Adam. Adam had everything that he needed to withstand the dragon in the garden and chose to be silent. And so I, I just kind of take off from that teaching the priesthood that Cain was the first uh, priest of darkness that was eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that decided he was going to decide what was good and what was evil, not God. And this is the sacrifice that I'm going to give, which actually was a slap in the face to the cross of Christ is why he was rejected. And you can just build it on from there. And uh, I think it's going to be really eye-opening because I'm on a trajectory with my books. The first one is to show the evil of Babylon the second one, and to show historically what they have done, the second one is both understanding what powers the kingdom of darkness and what believers can do to begin neutralizing that power and to begin really getting serious about our own spiritual disciplines. And once I got that one down, the next one is going to teach them how to walk in, in, in their kingdom priesthood and teach them spiritual warfare from a, from a very Genesis to Revelation understanding of the Word of God. And I'm, I'm calling it the Kingdom Paradigm Series. So there may, I don't know how many books are going to be in it when I'm done. Uh, but it, it's really going to teach, okay, now that we've woken up by the techno slumber, let's go ahead and advance in the Kingdom of God and grow the way that we need to grow, that they have been working on centuries of impeding this growth. And it's time to turn the tables because there is something the Spirit of God is doing right now, that he's waking up people all around the world. That's, right now, that's the biggest problem of the elite is that all, all the population are waking up saying, I'm not putting up with your garbage anymore. And so many of them are realizing that the Word of God prophecy is unfolding at an unprecedented rate, and that very thing is causing people to get saved. And so now it's time to really teach them and train them up on how to walk in the kingdom the way that we, that we should have always walked on, that this way that the early apostles and the early church walked, that when, that when they came into a town, people said, oh, those, those that have turned the world upside down have come here too. And, man, we need some of that again in this day, don't we? We sure do. And, and what you said really reminds me of uh, Joshua uh, chapter 5, and what I'm working on in an upcoming message uh, sermon that I'm going to be sharing with the congregation on holy war and the sanctification. Uh, Joshua he went through the army preparing for war, and, and really the holy war that's going on today and sanctifying ourselves, the people, the body, the, 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 the elite, they're sanctifying themselves to their God. We need to set ourselves apart unto our God, and because the, there, it is a holy war, uh, this one's fought on it our is. knees, and it's very intense, and it's very serious, and we need to set ourselves apart in preparation for this war. You know, it's like uh, being in the Marines, Dr. Lake, you, I, I don't care if you've got, you know, the sharpest dressed, uh, you know, second lieutenant just out of OCS, you know, 
or you've got this old crusty sergeant's done two or three tours over, you know, in Afghanistan. And they walk up to you and say, you know what, you're, you're going to be heading overseas to war. You want to go with the second lieutenant or you want to go with that crusty old sergeant that's been, you know, several times over there? Well, of course, you're going to pick that old crusty sergeant because he's been in the middle of the battle. He knows what's going on. And I feel that it's time for us to do the same. Let's get into this thing. Let's get set apart. Dr. Lake, is, we're going to close now um, and just wanted to – the biggest thing that I get in emails is the struggle that people are going through, pain, the you know, not knowing what to do, and, and just needing a word of encouragement for this hour. Um, could you close us out by sharing something that just to you know, help those people because I get these emails and you just – your heart breaks when you hear the – the absolute desperation that's going on amongst so many believers right now. You do. And the thing is the, since 2016 or 2018, uh, spiritual warfare has gone through the roof because people are waking up. But at the same time, guys, God is moving. And what I have found is those that follow the, the principles of, of, of repentance for, you know, God, if I, if I have messed up, Show me where I've messed up. Show me the doors that I have opened to the enemy that I can close. And, and, and have a heart to where as you open up the word of God, let God correct you and then let God begin guiding you. What I, you know, at the same time, I, I, I get thousands of these emails, brother, uh, of people whose lives are just falling apart. But when they hit their knees and say, God, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, your king and and help begin mending my life back together there's one of the names of god jehovah rapha and you you get the the sound of rapha from when they when they begin looming and begin putting you know begin taking the wool and 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 bringing it to where they're making a blanket or whatever and it, it's a sound of those things going against a rock and that literally means you are, you are Yahweh that begins to slowly knit me back together to wholeness. And, and there's an anointing for that right now, and it cannot be found in a man. You know, you and I can do a lot of preaching, we can do a lot of praying and everything, but it's Jesus himself when we sit down and just open up the word and just really be honest with him and be quick to repent, quick to change to line up with the word, we can begin finding the hand of the master begin to slowly knit us back together. And guys, we're in a season of that right now. And it's, it's not going to happen overnight. We're not talking about microwave popcorn here. We're talking about God adjusting you and walking you out of the pit that you've dug for yourself. And every one of us have done that, haven't we? If we're really honest, it's, it, 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 it was us that dug the pit. And finally, we're putting down the shovel, and Jesus says, put down the shovel, and let me show you the way of walking out of this pit. And as you do, the neatest thing is it becomes a powerful testimony that can be replicated in anybody's life. It's not waiting for a super-powered preacher to come and put a big X on the spot in the front of the church. And if you pray and give $500, you're going to get whammied right now by Almighty God. That's not what we're talking about. That's gimmicks. That's Gnosticism. That's, you know, this, this, this is not the kingdom of Ronco, okay? This is the kingdom of God. That everything that we think, say, and do, it's binary. We're either opening doors to God or closing doors to God and opening doors to the devil. And the way to see lives have been back together is when we begin really working in the kingdom and letting the Holy Spirit show us and repent and, and begin doing things differently. Every time we do that, we close the door to the devil and we open a new door to God. And the way to blessing is to have four, far more doors open to God than we do the devil. And eventually you're going to get to where Jesus looked at the devil one day and said, you know what, you have nothing in me. That's a sanctified life. The devil comes knocking on your door, but every door is locked, every window is locked, and he doesn't have access because there's blood over the doorpost. And that, that's the will of God for every single one of us in the day that we're living in today. Amen. Dr. Lake, 
thank you so much for that message. Folks, keep encouraged. Keep looking up. This is this is the hour. God's going to do something. And I know it's been hard for so many years for many of you, but keep holding on. For every time I get the, the hard stories, I get other stories too about, you know what, God, I, I had a change you know, my life has been changed. And, and so just hold on a little longer and keep praying. God is not going to leave you nor forsake you. And all these trials you've been for, they will establish you and firm you in your faith. God will be there and will get you through. Dr. Lake, thank you for sharing tonight. How can everybody keep up with everything that you've got going on? We're using the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing website as our main hub. Anytime we have a new video, new book, new podcast, it's all going to be there. And it's at kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. And if that's too long to type out, you can just simply type in drmichaellake.com, and it'll take you to the same site. Amen for that. I really appreciate you being on here. I feel like it wasn't just about artificial intelligence, folks, but tonight truly was about embracing the mind of Christ. What does it mean to get back in harmony with the Lord? I'll tell you, when I am in over in Africa, I'm up in the mountains, I'm out of my comfort zone, I'm sharing the word of God, I'm hiking up and down hills, high elevations all day long. But you know what? It's in those moments I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord, that I truly feel so alive because I'm in the heat of the battle. Folks, we got to jump in. God, I never was prepared. I wasn't necessarily ready, but I got ready because I got in, and the Lord had to take over and help me through those times, and he does the same with each one of us. Sometimes you got to stick your river, your foot into the River Jordan before it's going to part, and we got to do that That's today, right. and we need to start getting back to the Word of God. Well, thank you, Dr. Lake, for being on here, and to everybody, this is Brother Frank and Dr. Lake on the Remnant Call tonight saying to everyone— Good night and shalom.